podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that hates when it's a weekend game where there's not very much to talk about. This week on Heart and Hand, eight goal thriller sees Rangers thump Ackies. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host, and I'm joined this week by long-time stalwart of the pod, the Livingston Lothario, best friend of Clint Hill. It's Mr. Cameron and James Bell. David, my friend, it's wonderful to speak to you. Um, explain to the people what I meant with the, the Clint Hill thing. Well, Cameron, friend of the stars. Yes. So I, I was very fortunate um, last week to uh, spend some time doing a Clint Hill interview, which our uh, subscribers on the uh, Patreon site will now have exclusive access to. Um, I, I use the term legend for Clint Hill because although he wasn't at Rangers and probably couldn't be considered a Rangers-esque legend, in the truest form of the word, he was a legend in terms of being able to set that up. And <laughs> what you'll probably hear from that that interview was the fact that he was absolutely brand new. He was completely open and honest with his, his time at the club. and. Um, uh, if anything you can take away from listening to that conversation is just how much he appreciated uh, wearing the Rangers jersey. So um, if you need any reason to sign up to the Patreon site, I've now provided it for you. There you go. After three months of our hard work, Cameron, with his first, it should be pointed out, um, Sojourn on to Patreon has, has made it suddenly worthwhile. Joining me is a stalwart of the Patreon site, but a, a relative newbie here. It's our tactical genius, Mr Adam Thornton. Hello David, hello Cammy. Uh, Adam, who today asked me if I would spend 160 quid a month so he could sign up to some scouting website. <laughs> I think that's fair. It was a fairly short conversation. In all I, don't, I don't even think you, you spend £160 a month in rent, do you? Well, I don't pay rent, my wife does. Ah, there you go, so you don't? No, I don't. I don't spend anything. We were discussing this the other day about whether or not people should cancel Sky and BT. And I said, well, there's not really any point me doing it because when I took it out, I just used all her bank account details, so she pays it. <laughs> and then she never noticed it for like 14 months, and then she said, "Hang on a minute." And I said, "Well, if you haven't noticed it for 14 months, you can clearly afford it." So I won that argument hands down. It's a good idea, but I think that um, my wife, when it comes to setting up direct debits. If you ever remember that Family Guy episode, you know, when like somebody's moved the thermostat and the wee thing goes off in Peter's head, mm. I think she has that same implant. Ah, no, well, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite upfront about how, you know, she does better at this marriage than I do in terms of, you know, love and that. So I think that I should do better out of it financially, um, especially with me being on the professional scrap heap, Cammy and Adam, at the age of 40. <laughs> Professional scrap, Pete David. Yes. Yes. So uh, I need to. I need to just you know do my best. And uh, speaking of doing their best, Rangers continued uh, a good burst of recent form in terms of some of the match, and we're going to talk about this in a bit of detail. Uh, Cammy, you mentioned to us before the game that so much happened in this match, you actually had to take notes. It, it provides a degree of professionalism and organisation, which seldom accompanies a heart hand podcast. But mm. yeah, it's just so much to kind of talk about and so much to kind of delve into, David, you know? Well, a, a crazy first half, um, which finished 4-2 to Rangers, um, with goals seemingly flying in every three or four minutes. Uh, Hamilton took the lead 
after a really bad start by Rangers. And let's let's just go through it bit by bit. First up, Adam. Bad starts. This is a thing now. This is not once every so often or something that can crop up. I feel every time we start one of these shows, we are saying... So we started badly, and I'm getting a bit annoyed by it, to be honest, because it is costing us. It cost us against Hibs. It cost us against Air, and we did recover, and it cost us against Hamilton, and we did recover. But Hibs is an example of you can maybe get away with it against poor teams, you can't get away with it against good teams, and it's happening all the time. Aye, definitely. I think this one was probably the worst start that we've had, potentially all season. The first 10 minutes or so, we literally couldn't string two passes together. We weren't even out of our half. Um, basically, barely out of the 18-yard 18 18 line for the first eight minutes or so. Mm. Um, and as we've seen with the goal, Dockery and John just totally sleeping and uh, good finish by, by Lions in the corner. Cammy, can Wes do a bit better with that goal? Because at the time I thought, good finish. But watching it now quite a few times, it's pretty central. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a concern with Fodringham when shots are hit. I don't want to say dead centre straight at him, but if you put it a couple of feet either way, mm-hmm. I just sometimes feel if that's in the ground, he struggles to get there. Because um, he has been beaten by not dissimilar shots that you'd kind of think, well, I, I think the difficulty you've got in comparable to other goals that he's conceded of a similar nature is that the one in Sunday, um, because as Adam said, uh, I, I think that the, the John tackle slightly... Um, puts him in a blind side and I don't think he can see that until it's, it, the ball's already coming at him with pace but I would agree with you I, I, I think uh, I'd probably want a keeper to do better there if I'm being honest yeah um, I just like I say has it gone into the far corner Adam then I'm going okay you know just a really good finish but it, it really hasn't it's actually pretty central yeah I think the first one definitely um, we know from from Fotheringham that he's pretty poor uh, with I know this wasn't outside the area, but it wasn't far off of it. He's, he's conceded the most goals from outside the area in the entire league. Uh, he's got eight at the moment, and he's, he's tied with Thomas Cherney and McCary from Ross County, so it's, it's definitely an issue for him. This one was a little bit further in, but as Cammy said, I think just the quickness of it like with John kind of caught him off guard, but for me, he should be saving it, yeah. So Rangers then, uh, again, and credit, you know, after saying that we start badly, and it, and it is starting to kind of get in my tits a little bit, but credit to Rangers that now and I want to praise the team for this they don't panic when they go a goal down anymore which is great to see and they recover and go apart then some fantastic play by Alfredo Morelos beats his man just stronger um, not even a question of a foul just wanted the ball more as they say gets to the byline and then an intelligent cut back Adam and uh, there's Jamie Murphy to to a decent finish actually I think it got slightly underplayed but I love that about Morelos that he's so good from tight angles because a lot of players there without looking up just put it across the six yard box and of course there's nobody there and then they say well you should have been there he didn't do that and he doesn't do that he's very good at picking people out and then later on in the half another thing he was good when it was the rebound from the Goss free kick uh, that the keeper saved he fires a shot from a very narrow angle that the keeper has to make another good stop. He's, he is really good in, if you like, acute situations. I think he just wants to ping it in from anywhere, you're right. But that, that first goal is definitely something that we've seen 
more and more. Um, he's just quite tenacious. He's, he's build up play a nice and attack his body. His build up play is really, really good. Um, it's not something you immediately think of. You just think of him as a as a goal scorer. But he's he build up plays plays incredible. He shouldn't have won that ball at all. Um, but he just must out muscle the guy who's probably double the size of him and uh, a really cute little uh, little cutback for for Murphy. Cammy, the second goal, which we think is, you know, right, panic over kind of thing, uh, comes. Nice bit of play on the left, actually, although bad defending from Hamilton for the first, really bad defending with the second, where um, I think it's Jamie Murphy makes the overlap, and he takes both the defenders with him. They just both run after him, which allows Josh Windass to fire a shot. Now, I just put this one down as a goalkeeping howler because I think he's came for it in the wrong way and he's done that thing that keepers do where they come out from it with their arms you know, by their sides, kind of arms sticking, the, the bit bent and sticking out and he's tried to kind of gather it into it but I think you're on the risk of if it doesn't hit you in the stomach or the chest it can bounce off you which it did it hit him on the shoulder and then bounces up and then in but I did see people saying you've got to give Windass a bit of credit because he puts a lot of spin on those shots to make it difficult for the keeper is that maybe reading too much into it or you know well done Josh I think he's been a bit generous to Windass if I'm being honest I think um if we if we swap scenarios and Fodderingham concedes that kind of goal, you know we're all absolutely tamping about it. Mm. So nah, I definitely feel the keeper probably should have done better. It's like one of those ones where um, either the keeper, if it was on the ground, and you've you've seen this before. In fact, even Alan McGregor, if you remember, no firm game conceded a goal as where it's so bread and butter, you just probably keepers just kind of go into a little bit of a kind of automatic process where they think they can deal with it and then you're right there's probably a bit of whip on it that they maybe weren't expecting and because the body's not fully behind it it squirms past them and where it goes you've seen shots in the ground that maybe go through keepers legs like that mm. I think what's also interesting is that and we've all done it we're all you know experienced football fans where you probably see a lot of modern day keepers now punching shots like that rather than trying to collect them and it's probably because they've been coached in that way to say, look, you know, you don't know how it could take a movement, you don't know what happens with it. Without going down that whole shite, footballs are totally different the way how they're made routine. If it does take a bit of a kind of curve away from the keeper, you've just got to get it away. And um, yeah, I think, as I say, to be honest with you, it, it's it's probably 90% the keeper and 10% windows. Yeah, I think, I, think he gets, I think he gets caught in two minds. For me, it's, it's quite an awkward height. Um, a couple of inches higher or a couple of inches lower and, and it would be a pretty a good decision but to me it's kind of caught between catching it and like you said punching it or, or palming it over the bar and ends up doing one of them I think, I think what would be interesting with that though is and I, I wonder and we're going to come on to the pitch in a bit anyway but sometimes what I've also seen from direct shots like that is that the keepers take a take a touch of the ball to just basically take the power out of it and then yep. let the ball drop and then and then pick, you know catch it like as in It'll bounce and then catch it. And I don't know if they maybe, or the, the keeper maybe felt it doing that and that playing surface, players in front of him or whatever else as well, he's just felt as if it's quite comfortable. But if you watch the game again, there's actually a number of crosses or balls that which come in and the Hamilton defenders are actually quite comfortable heading it back to the keeper, you know, just, just playing it quite tight. So, nah, I definitely feel as if the keeper's, the keeper's going to regret that one. 
And Hamilton get back into it after more fuckery in the Rangers' defence, no other way to put it, that for some reason Russell Martin, this experienced centre-half, thinks the best place to clear the ball to will be right smack bang into the middle of midfield, um, in our half, and that's where it lands, and uh, Hamilton head it forward. David Templeton has, therefore, the time, because Martin hasn't got to him uh, after the, the abortive clearance, um, curls it into the bottom corner. At that point, it was a strange game in that, lads, even at this point, I still never felt, even for a second, we were dropping points in it because I think it was so apparent how bad Hamilton's defence were and the three at the back they were playing, Adam, I, I have no idea why. When you're playing Rangers, you decide that you're going to go with three at the back and give us space wide because, look, we complain on here sometimes about the team, but we're pretty good wide. It was... Crazy, as I said during the game, if they if they didn't change their shape, then it could have been ten, and I think it, it could have been easily with the chances that we had. It just seemed like we were getting Goss and Dockery on the ball, and they were pinging those little angled passes in between the fullbacks and in between the wide centre half. Sorry, and Murphy and Candice. It was just they were, It was like they weren't even trying at times. We've seen it in the second half as well. The amount of times Candice was not even one on one with somebody, but like. Clear, clean through essentially when nobody near him um, was ridiculous and they did tighten up later on but it was way too little too late yeah and it's one of well, those well, I, I was going to say I, I actually felt that the, the worst goal that they conceded was the final one where it's the yeah. Kandias throw in I know I'm jumping ahead Davey but um, I, I think they were horrific throughout if I'm being perfectly honest and that last goal for me can't even be blamed really in fatigue because we're all still halfway through the second half that is the most simplest of goals to give away. That's, it's a quick throw in with Candace. Cami, that's a fives goal at the end when you fucked. Yeah. When one team is completely Absolutely. fucking Absolutely. knackered. When you've been, like when you're the team of old guys and the other team's got like two younger guys who are obviously still fitter than all you and you can uh, you do alright for about half an hour. But then in the last fifteen minutes or so and guys are going drag back and you're like, I can't he, mate, it's either let them go and score or spew. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's that thing though where you you've conceded by half time you've conceded four goals okay so forget what they've scored you're four goals down um, already at that stage you, you need to be able to turn around and say let's keep it tight on but and then that fifth goal they were absolutely asleep at the back and again if you watch that again Windass is at least five or six yards clear of his nearest defender uh, to be able to finish off that that square ball from Morelos. And no, I mean, it was bad. I mean, really, really bad. Well, we then, um, as I say, we get the, the third. Greg Doherty wins the ball, um, plays it through. Jamie Murphy has a shot. Keeper doesn't do too bad last time, but from the rebound, Murphy very intelligently uh, knocks it across to Morelos, who's got the straightforward finish. 4-2, I think, is the is the, the best and I think is a contender for not just our goal of the season, but goal of the season full stop. Adam, you want to talk us through it? Oh, it was brilliant. Just one touch. He can, it's exactly what Murray has been saying he wants to do. Quick, high tempo, one touch passing, right up. Pretty much, I don't know how many players, it, it touched maybe eight or so, um, right across the right across the midfield and just one of those really lovely, um, it was almost like a FIFA goal. Somebody goes through and, and they just clip it to the side and a wee blind pass for, for Windass. It was, it was brilliant and 
I'm sure we'll come on to Murphy later on, um, but I thought he was fantastic. And, and there was two quite similar passes where he, he laid off Morelos and then Windass just for easy finishes. Mm. That, that, the that, the, that the thing I would say, though, David, just coming back to that fourth goal though, for Murphy, because I, I don't think you can underestimate um, Murphy's contribution in the game. But what I absolutely loved in the fourth goal was, if you watch that again, the fact that he has the vision to square it inside to Morelos rather than hitting it again because he hits it and the keeper saves it and how many times would you have seen anyone especially somebody who's already at that stage got a goal under their belt have another lash at it he doesn't he just simply puts it to the side of Morelos and it's really really unselfish play Um, and I I think as you say the fourth goal was fantastic but the third goal um, in terms of just that 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 square across Morelos really can't be underestimated it was absolutely fantastic I would say I would agree with you the third goal was probably my favourite just just for that because yeah. He gets cleaned out totally quick, but he still manages to get the quick pass to Morelos, another quick pass to Murphy. A pretty poor shot, if we're honest, and I think most people I'm looking at Windass would probably throw their hands in the air. Murphy doesn't, he's right in to get the to get the loose ball, which is something we've not done for ages, and it just ends up an easy finish for Morelos. So it's it's, it's really good. Um the fourth goal, as I say, will forever be remembered by and I'm claiming ownership of this, but you can all use this after two, Jamie and his magic touch. See what I did there? <laughs> That's one that nobody under what thirty has a ch- thirty-five probably has a chance of getting. But um, older bears out there will, will no doubt know what I'm talking about. Um, second half, bit of a known event. Um, I know that that I like to point out to a friend of mine who's a huge Kenny Miller fan that we lost one 0 when Kenny Miller came on. Um, but all joking aside, let's kind of wrap it up. A good win, a really good win. Some great attacking play, but some really shoddy defending from Rangers. Now, Cammy, Graham Murty says after it, look, I just want to concentrate on the positives at the moment, although obviously I will analyse it. But was it a case of, and I genuinely think there's something in this, but I do want to get your thoughts on this, lads, that they almost found it too easy going forward and the defenders weren't, at, at it because they sort of thought they look like scoring every time they go for which we did and they're, they're sitting behind the midfield and the forwards thinking oh man they're ripping them apart and they almost the concentration levels just weren't what they should have been so for me yes because um, by that point apart from the goals that were scored and the chances that we've had we've hit the bar twice and they lost in Dockery your son um, misses what is effectively an open goal. Yes, he does. So I, I think it was just um, it was just foot off the gas time by that stage, and um, I, I think we. I mean, I think we kind of said it amongst ourselves that at that stage it kind of looked like every single time we were going forward, we're going to score. So even if we did concede another goal, it was a case of right, well, we'll just go to the park and score two more. So nah, there was some some big concerns in there for me. That's the thing, Adam. I, usually, I look at the structure, and what I would say is that Rangers currently and yesterday were playing with two holding midfielders, quote-unquote, but two guys who are not naturally defensive-minded players. Doherty, you know, he's box-to-box, gets forward. I thought after a sluggish, very sluggish start, he came on to a really good game. Um, Goss, we know, is a quarterback-type playmaker, good passer. Neither of them naturally sense danger, I think, in a way that a Ross McCrory or a Ryan Jack does. However, the goal still came from individual errors. 
you know, you can't say that it was a structural issue yesterday. It was individual errors and a referee who likes to prove how unstaunch he is by awarding late penalties against us. Yeah, I think obviously Doherty had a had a poor start. Um, he was, I would say, he's at, he's at fault for for the goal. Um, and I would have said he had a bit of an issue in the build up to to have given away the penalty against Hibs. Um, but. Overall, I thought yesterday... What? Not right. No, fuck off, Tav boy. Right. <laughs> Tav fluffer. Right. Docker to yes, there, there may have been a but Nobody is to blame for that penalty other than James Tavernier. I thought we agreed that Scott Allen was to blame regardless. Well, Scott Allen's to blame for a lot of things, but no, um, no when Rangers players do stupid things, I don't blame the opposition. I, I blame Rangers players. Well, not Celtic. Or Kenny Miller. Or Kenny Miller. No, no. Stephen Naismith. Okay. Uh, that's, who, that, that's the one I'd blame. But um, but yeah, I, I, you were saying. Sorry, before you I, before so, you so rudely made me interrupt you. Doherty was <laughs> and it's not a uh, not future Hall of Famer James Tavernier that was at fault, but Doherty was at fault for the Hibs goal. But anyway, uh, the build up to the the goal, I thought he was poor. He, he didn't look on it at all. I don't know if, if it can the occasion got the better of him a little bit, but I have to say he came on he had a brilliant game. Um, there's a clip flying about from SPFL radar on Twitter that, that shows. He was everywhere, really. He was breaking up play. Now, he was doing things that I didn't necessarily think. You're pointing about sensing danger. I'm not sure I really agree. If, if you watch that, that video, the amount of interceptions and nicks of the ball he gets, I think positionally he might be onto something, but he was everywhere, really, t- for the last hour of the game, and I thought he was really, really good. Um, I've been banging the drum. I think your, your broader point is having those two there doesn't offer us enough protection. I totally agree. I've been banging the drum on the tactics pod for... I'm desperate to see Goss, Dockery and, and McCrory as a midfield three. I think that will be brilliant. Um, I think they've got absolutely everything that, that we would need in there. Um, but you're right, they don't offer a lot of protection. And against better teams, um, they'll get swamped, I think, as we've seen against Hibs with Goss and Holt, who's kind of similar to Dockery. Uh, one thing I think we need, to, we need to mention at this point, Adam, is that you need to watch that, say when you say brilliant... Um, yeah. You sound like that cunt from the AO advert that wants a big telly. Family night but, is great. It's got such a good picture. It's brilliant. So just you know, watch that because round here we speak the Queen's, you know. Sorry for being eloquent. I'll try better in the future. Yeah, you're not eloquent using the word brilliant. Right. That's that, that's pretty. That's a pretty straightforward word. Boys, can we just get back to the footy, please? Well, not for fuck's sake, Cameron. Well, just just weighing in. You've been in the East Coast too long. There's only one person on this pod that's allowed to use the term footy, and it's your BFA. And it's oh, you you can't talk, Mister Clint Hill. Mean Clint, you know. I'm I'm going to go and talk <laughs> to Clint. Um, so, Cameron, you did want to make a serious point about uh, your friend and mine, Mr Bobby Madden, who um, is in danger of getting suspended from the lodge um, if he keeps his shite up. Late penalty decision. <laughs> Go on. He's right. The penalty decision's right. It's a stupid, stupid thing to do by Martin. And um, his second costly mistake of the game because... I know we, we talked about it earlier on, but when um, Templeton scores, um, Templeton's in Hamilton and Russell Martin's in Bovell. That's how far away he is from mm. But when you talk about the penalty, it, it's a stupid thing to do. And I, I think that that's now twice that he's done things like that where he needs to he needs to just probably sharpen up that period of his game. What I, the point I wanted to make, right, was um, 
I thought I so, thought it was harsh, and I don't see in your ref. How is it a booking? Because it's pretty standard fair. It's the laws of the game. No, but no, no. But accidental handballs you rarely see get a booking for like deliberate ones. Yes, but but if it, it can't be an accidental handball if he's also given a penalty for it. So he's saying that he's done it deliberately. It's a deliberate act. Do you really think he's deliberately stuck his arm out in that? Because, I mean, if he does, he should be in goal because that's Goromesque reactions. I don't, so I don't, so I don't, let me put it like this. I don't think that he's deliberately stuck up to stop the ball. I think he's done very little to move it. Let's put it like that. Because actually, when he falls, he keeps his arm in position as he's uh, doing the side tackle. And what he should be doing at that stage is bringing his arm down, which, albeit, puts the ball across and puts it by him. But if he keeps his arm where he is, like he did, he's at danger of conceding it. And we spoke before, and it happened up at Dingwall, where what you're doing at that stage is you're giving, you're making the referee's decision for him. That game was out of sight at that stage. It's the easiest penalty Bobby Madden will ever have to give because he knows that 5-3, what difference does it make when you're talking about three minutes left in the clock or whatever it was at that stage? So I, I do think it's a silly thing to do, and I think he needs to, I think he needs to wise up a bit. I was already... I mean, I'm not going to lie, I was disappointed he wasn't touch tight for Templeton for the, the second Hamilton goal. Um, but that's a that's a silly penalty to give away, especially when the game's pretty much done as a contest by that stage. You're so much less staunch now you're a referee, you know that? No, I'm not. The, the thing is... You used to get your round in in the district and start 10 German bombers and now look at you. <laughs> so... I'm totally fine to turn around and, and actually I'm going to criticise Mad in a minute but you, if you dish it out you've got to take it Davey and this is where I think that Martin needs to be able to try and look at where his, his position is in terms of what he does with that the point I wanted to make however more so about Bobby Madden was um, it was a bit inconsequential fortunately but we will always talk about where referees have probably fucked Rangers over to some degree so you two were just talking about the, the Tavernier challenge, all of that kind of stuff as well against the Hibs at home. The problem that I've got with Bobby Madden is there was a period at the start of, or sorry, towards, uh, I think it was the midway point of the first half, where Windass just looked to be able to try and track the boy. The boy lying, the boy who scored the first goal, is coming across the top of him and Windass, I mean, it's it probably for me is a free kick actually to Rangers, but Windass more or less kind of collapses the boy overturns and lands in his head and actually there was quite a significant amount of injury time I don't know if the two of you remember this or not yeah yeah three but minutes if you, if you watch that again actually it looks bad now I'm not saying anyone's at fault here but what I'm saying is that similar to the challenge that was made on Dockery which Adam pointed out previously Madden has to go back and actually look at these and take into account the fact that he's playing on an artificial surface because that was a very bad injury line could have received, but there was no stoppage in play. If you watch that sequence again, it only stops when we receive the ball and we're about to come forward. And then at that stage, Madden looks and sees that there's a player still on the ground. His assistant doesn't even say anything to him. But with the Doherty challenge, Doherty was wiped out at that point, and it's just fortunate that it led to a goal. That player wasn't even spoken to after that challenge was completed. No, he forgot. And quite clearly, if, if, he we're, if, if we're going to if we're going to have artificial surfaces, referees need to accommodate for how that surface can have impact injuries. And I don't believe for a single minute that Bobby Madden did that. And how the fuck you get to seventy-five minutes in that game with some of the challenges that were getting carted about, 
without producing a yellow card is beyond me. I mean, it is honestly beyond me. There was one in particular in Dockery, not the wipeout, but another one where the boy followed through him and booted him right in the shin. Again, not even a conversation. I, I, I just don't get it. I do not get where this refereeing standard is at the moment. Adam, there's a lot of it to do with the fact that it's easier to keep your cards in your pocket in a game that's pretty much dead and everyone knows is dead. And by the time the I remember the incident Cammy's talking about with Docherty, the game was dead. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But I guess you can see it the other way. Surely it's it's easier to book them. At the same time, I yeah, I was baffled by that one. I, I thought it was just it was a clear cleaning out, um, and I think it's probably been not forgotten about. But he's probably thought he could get away with it because it led to a goal. I think that the, the, the there was a degree of sympathy, I think, at certain points, but I don't think you can give penalties because you feel sorry for them. I don't think you can avoid bookings because you feel a bit sorry for, oh, well, they've just conceded. I don't think it's supposed to work like that. But we said it before because it's true. We get refereed to a different standard and considerations are brought onto the field by referees that have got nothing to do with the actual game that they're refing and consciously or subconsciously it's affecting their decision making processes and that Cami is why I think that you get this wild differential and this lack of consistency when it comes to Rangers matches because the refs aren't refereeing naturally the way they would Motherwell St Johnston for example where they'll just go out and referee I think that there's so much shit that's been put inside their head deliberately let's be honest that they're going out there and they're not able, they're, they're reffing within themselves, if that makes sense. No, and, and I get that, and I think that now we're now back in a situation where, yet again, within the space of four weeks, we're talking about, and we're using the same phrase, we've made the referee's decision for them. And the sad thing about that is that that suggests referees are looking to be able to try and give something against us. That's a touch of paranoia, I suppose, but that's... <laughs> paranoia based on quite a lot of concerted evidence week on week so is it paranoia or is it now we're coming back into well this isn't about bent refs per se it's about refs who think it's easy to give decisions against Rangers once Rangers are in a winning position Um, and to come back to that point regarding Martin, so I agree with you before and Adam won't like this, but I do think that the the penalty against Hibbs was Tavernier's fault I get that but I think that if we are up by a country mile and the game's running out to an end, I think it's really straightforward to be able to to, to give penalties against Rangers at the moment. Mm, unfortunately, but um, may well play into goal difference, which <coughs> might be a thing now having uh, results at the weekend, but we will come to that. Before we do, a batch of new contracts um, have been signed, uh, offered and in some cases rejected last week at Rangers with uh, Adam's hero James Tavernier signing to 2021. Uh, there's also a new deal for Josh Windass who's signed to 2021. David Bates was offered a new deal and rejected it but um, is expected uh, to at least receive uh, a second offer and there's also talk of contract extensions for uh, a couple of other players as well. So, first of all, Adam, you must be very happy. Delighted, yeah. Um, just vindication of what I've been saying for the last couple of months, really. No, but how so? Because he's and he deserves the contract and he deserves to be the captain. Because so, <laughs> <yeah>. he's great. <laughs> I, yeah. I love him. Um, he has <laughs> He has been... Cammy, all joking aside, James Tavernier, I think, has been a far better player this season than at any point in his Rangers career. Um, he has been. I think he's been aided 
tremendously by Daniel Kandias. So I think if we're going to name a stand after him, we should probably consider naming a corner after Kandias. Um, but he has his... his listen, um, James Tavernier has the mentality I wish Josh Windass has. That's probably the best compliment I can pay him because he's got tremendous amounts of skill. Um, he is tightening up areas where he has underperformed um, probably start of this season, certainly towards the tail end of last. Um, and he's Listen, fundamentally, Tavernier's proven himself as an asset, and I think he's taken to the captain role really well. And um, I was thinking about this on Sunday, watching the game. Uh, see, if I'm being perfectly honest, even if Wallace came back into it, I think he has to fight to get the captaincy back because Tavernier's done a great job of it so far. I think if you're looking at long term, uh, a guy who's going to play every week and you know consistently be in the side, who has committed his future to the club then yeah I, I would agree with that I think he's a guy you can you can give that role to and, and be secure he's going to hold it for a few years now whereas Lee Wallace both because of age and injury might not necessarily be the case but um, I think Cammy's right and Adam given what you want to do to James Tavernier him tightening up must be must be good news to you it certainly is he's, he's one of those players that we we spoke about on the pods in the past and maybe me and you have had chats about over the last couple of years that you know somebody's a good player, you can see it, and what you think is, oh, they're not very consistent, or oh, they're lacking in mentality, when sometimes, as Cammy pointed out, it could just be down to their partnerships on the park, um, Candace being there, maybe being a little bit more solid central defence-wise, um, maybe not much, and also having a bit more of a presence with, with Jack and McCrory in uh, defensive midfield, and even having a bit more firepower up front with Morelos, all of those little interactions that Tav has, um, the players that he's interacting with have improved immeasurably in the last two years so he's one of those players I think that looks even better in a better team and I think we're seeing that this year um, I would say that he did say in his press conference before the Hamilton match that he singled out Daniel Kindias and the partnership and, and did say that he feels that that's had a huge effect on him because we have to remember a lot of the time he was playing that wing himself Effectively, because up front there would be a striker who nominally would be on the right, but who really, you know, Mackay on the left would track back, but the guy on the right, generally speaking, say Waghorn, pretty much wanted to get into the middle and score goals, which was fine, but it did leave Tav exposed an awful lot. Although there were a lot of mistakes in his game. I mean, he used to drive me nuts with the back post thing, which again has improved. Um, and his, his display at Parkhead earlier this season was, I think, the best that he's played for Rangers. I think he, he, he was outstanding that day. Now, the other new signing, um, or new contract signing rather, extended, was Josh Windass. And I must admit, I've gone 180 on Josh Windass, the player, because... At the start of the season, I wasn't a fan. I didn't really. I thought he was a poser. I thought he flattered to deceive. Um, but he contributes, and now you you can't deny he's contributed. He's got nine goals in five games. Admittedly, against maybe weaker sides, there's no doubt about that. But he is now starting to look like a guy who you know can damage teams and he has got goals against Aberdeen and Hibs so you can't say he exclusively scores against the smaller side Cammy, if nothing else here's a guy, Tav's another one you've got to get these guys signed up simply because it increases their value and they are sellable Yeah, I mean I think um, Tavernier's style of play I think suits most modern English teams in terms of what they've been able to try and get out of it. Windass, 
I think gets a great degree of freedom in terms of the Rangers team that he plays in, which I don't know if he could replicate if he was to move down south. That being said, um, the oh, I want to say his second goal um, on Sunday, uh, where he, he picks the ball up in the middle of the park. If again, if you if you trace his movements with that, this is something that we spoke about before in the pod. That actually he's, he's a very positive player from being able to move forward. Um, be involved in interactions in and around the halfway line and then move forward even without the ball but continue to press and continue to penetrate and then again like you say potentially be on the end of it the the main thing with Windass is that he's looking at being able to try and contribute no matter what he's doing and Adam touched on the point earlier on and it's a great point regarding the Murphy square ball likelihood is if Windass hits that it's head and hands time he doesn't even think about what he could do thereafter um, if he can try and maintain that consistency, he's going to do well. And right now, what what he's done, what Windass has done, is put himself into a position where he's unplayable. And that is where he will be in the team sheet. He'll be able to 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 maintain his position. Um, and he's done that himself. There's no uh, there's no denying that. What he needs to do is maintain that. So when he plays against the the, the tougher teams, um, and he's got one on Saturday, he needs to replicate it against them. And with all due respect to Aaron Hamilton, that's not where you shine. You shine against the top teams. Adam, he has a manager who I think at times gets a bit exasperated with him. Um, it's very much the, 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 the manager who I think sees a lot in somebody and really wants to get it out of him. And some, some of the things, I mean, the, the, the Graham Murray quote a couple of weeks ago was fantastic. I thought what he said, I don't know why he's done that, but then again, I don't know why he does a lot of the things he does. And you could tell there that he, he's constantly on at him and he's, he's, he's having to work on him, but he really believes in him. And that, I think, can't be overstated enough. He's got a manager who, no matter what, absolutely believes in him and wants him in his side. Yeah, he's, he's been having a couple of little digs at him in the press, but you know that's just because of the type of person Windass is. He thinks he's better than he is, as, as good as he's been, so he's bringing him down a peg or two in a constructive way. Um, the Fraserburgh game that you mentioned after match, it was really interesting watching Murray um, kind of dissect his play and saying, I don't want him to be dropping deep into midfield, I want him to be on the last shoulder. Um, he's not... He didn't go as far as saying he's not technical enough to, to drop deep and, and create the chances, but that's not his that's not his game. He's he's physical, he's got pace and power and he can finish. So he's not he's not technical up. enough to do that. He's not technical enough to be a number ten. I think he fancies himself as a number ten, but he hasn't that's not his game. He's he, he's exactly what you say. He's pacey, he's powerful, he times his runs fantastically and he can finish. But the idea of sitting him behind a packed defence and asking him to play passes a la you know, David Silva is it no. He just doesn't have that in his locker, in my opinion. Or in Graham Murray's opinion, clearly. What would be interesting, though, when you're talking about... Because I think, I think the thing is, though, what we're talking about now um, with Windass is more more um, plaudits based on his performance. Um, his attitude is getting less. But i tell you one thing, what would be really interesting would have been if he hadn't scored when he did on Sunday and Murray still took him off because I think that once he finished off a hat-trick, Murty, listen, uh, we'll probably come on to it, was horrendously slow with making his substitutions on Sunday, as is a characteristic of his. But what would have been interesting would have been Windass' reaction if he took him off before he got his hat-trick. Yeah, possibly. Um, but 
I think it's a tough one because at the moment there are a lot of people out there who I, I don't think Josh Windass is as loved as his contribution might have made him in a way that maybe Alfredo Morelos is, for example. I'm not sure Josh Windass inspires those same feelings and I wonder if it's tied up in, as Adam says, he gives off a certain vibe, um, which is, I'd agree with that, that he thinks he's better than he actually is. Uh, as good as he is, uh, it's the old uh, you're fit but don't you know it kind of thing. And I wonder yep. if that maybe comes across to the fans a little bit and that's why they're... <sighs> he's just not as universally loved as a guy playing the way he's playing and doing the things he's doing normally would be, Adam. No, I, I agree, but on the flip side, you really can't ignore the stats. It's actually frightening um, since Marty came in. He's got... So they've played 17, 17 league games since Marty came in. Windass has nine goals and five assists in those games, which is ridiculous, and that doesn't count the five goals in two games in the cup. Um, I seen an interesting thing yesterday. I can't remember who shared it, but he's actually scored more goals in the last five games than Celtic have, which is ridiculous when think, you think about it. I think it was um, actually Paddy Power that shared that. It's a joke, but yeah, you're right. You compare him to Morelos and. and it's, it's, it's an interesting one because Morelos doesn't really give us anything apart from major spam on, on social media in terms of giving back to the fans or anything. He, he doesn't really speak, you never really hear from him, um, but he just seems instantly more likeable um, than Windass is. Windass is, to be honest with you, everything that he does in a park, he gets undone on social media because uh, he acts like a dick at times, and this is where he needs to wrap some of that stuff out and just think more cautiously about it. There's a thing where he did a screenshot of him and Jamie Jonas talking on WhatsApp and he talked about, you know, I think you'll do well, probably score three and then obviously it happened. And listen, that's great, but obviously that screenshot never sees a light of day if he'd come on and had a stinker. Well, no, but and, of course not. <laughs> and, and no, and, and no and I get, but the point I'm trying to make is, though, that it's all, his stats and all that are all well and good, right? And we could turn in and say, well, Murray's doing a really great job with them. But then not that long ago, we're all slating Murray for where we were sitting at in terms of his overall um, performances at home in the league. So this is again coming back to he needs to be able to do it more consistently. He needs to do it against the tougher teams and the fans will all take to him. Uh, and it's just a weird one. We, there, was, there was a previous point we were talking about it where we don't understand as to why we've got that little bit of hesitancy to fall in love with Josh Windass, but people will fall in love with Jason Cummings because what the two of them, and it's not Cummings' fault because he's still brand new, but what Windass has contributed within the last month is has been phenomenal. But yet people are quite happy to slate him when he does do something really stupid or acts too cocky and maybe oversteps the line slightly. That's a really good point. I think Cummings is generally lauded for his arrogance, whereas we're, we're deriding Windass for it. It's, it's quite an interesting narrative. But Cummings' arrogance, I think, is less. There's a, there's a more comedic element to it. Yeah. That you 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 think that the, his tongue might be kind of in his cheek a little bit. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I don't. It, sometimes it just comes down to feelings. You know, we're sitting here trying to rationalise it and explain it. And uh, I, I go back many years ago to a guy that was abusing Tony Vidmar terribly in a match, and I eventually turned around and I was like, "But what's your problem? He's playing quite well." He went, "I just don't fucking like him." And that that was it. And sometimes that's all it comes down to, and there's not really much you can do about it if that's the case. I like him um, because, as I say, he's gone 180 for me in terms of at the start of the season. I just thought there was nothing there, and I was completely wrong, clearly. And I think that 
I know what you mean, Cammy, when you say he needs to do it against the better teams because once he does, and I think he will, once he does, I love an arrogant bastard who talks shit and backs it up. Maybe the concern for some people at the moment is that he's doing too much of the talking shit based on too little that, you know, yes, he's got goals, but Fraser, Bruh, Ayer, Hamilton. Um, but I would love him to go on a run of doing it against, obviously, I would love him to go on a run of doing it against the, the, the kind of, you might say, upper upper reach teams and then he can be as arrogant as he wants. I can I can just I can just hear Alex in, in my head here contesting that, so I'm going to do it on his behalf. He, he has scored against Hearts, Hibs, and Aberdeen. In no, the last I, I, months, I so said I said that earlier. I I don't necessarily think it's an issue with that. I think it's just a personality thing. I, I think maybe it will take the winner against Celtic or something to to get him over. But it's, it's like you said, it's people with entrenched views, and I'm probably quite similar to you. Uh, even up until well, I was still moaning about him in the Partick Thistle game, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you were, yes. It, it takes people a bit of time to get round to, or oh, is this really consistency or is he just the way he was last year? And if he's still doing this at the end of the season, I think I think he'll go into next season as, as winning quite a lot of people round. Yes. I, I, think based, I think based on that, he, he could not have picked a better time to play Hearts based on his, in his, in his form and his performances recently. What you have to look out for, though, and this is sometimes that he is also very guilty of, is if the game's not going his way, he downs tools very quickly and can start to miss out sections of the game and become slightly anonymous. So he has no reason whatsoever to do that against Hearts at home when he's sitting on back-to-back hat-tricks. So for me, I, I think the proof of the pudding is going to come on Saturday. Well... Speaking of that, in a more general sense, I think it's going to be interesting. It'll be an interesting build-up because I think we've all been quite amused by Craig Levine, who's clearly on his no fucks left to give tour currently. And he, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he knows this is probably his last big job. In fact, it's undoubtedly his last big job. He's not going to get any bigger. He's not going away. He's had his he's go at Scotland, and now he's just going to say what the fuck he likes. And I dare say he'll, he'll have a bit of fun with us as well. And I hope we react to it a wee bit less wee boy like you know greeting wee Wayne like that, that Lennon and Celtic did I hope that we just laugh it off and, and genuinely I hope that if he says anything about our players or Marty they just go oh, it's just Craig Levine being Craig Levine we know that um, I think he's just having a bit of fun at the moment and, and more power to him for that because um, he did he did get right under their skin and that's always highly amusing speaking of getting under skin now Celtic dropped two points on Sunday to St Johnson it was a good old-fashioned day, wasn't it, that we were playing and they were playing and, uh, you know, they, they dropped points quite quickly. And a lot of Bears started going, you know, this season isn't over yet. And while, on the one hand, I've been hurt before, lads, you know, and I don't want to get too caught up in it, there is the other bit of me that goes, well, do you know what? You know, fuck it. Uri might not necessarily to be... To win this league this year is just... Let's not think about going first so much as just cutting this lead down and then see where we are at the split. I believe that. But then on the other hand, I'm looking at our home form and going, can I legitimately believe this based on the fact that, yes, I I expect us to win pretty much every game away from home. But right now, we're going into a game on Saturday, Cammy. I don't have a fucking clue what Rangers are going to turn up. No, you don't. And that that inconsistency is what's killing us. And um, we're 
seesawing at the moment between fucking tears and glory as it as it kind of stands because you feel as if we've got the opportunity to do it. I think I think you, the the problem that you've got right is this is unlike anything any of us have ever went through before where we are starting to cut the distance and now we're within reach of being able to get to them so people overextend that and get very excited about being able to catch them and all the rest of it I still believe the stretch is too much for us just now, which um, is fine because you and I would be the fucking first ones to be turning around and saying if we're regressing and we're getting further away from Celtic than we were last season, unacceptable, the board has to fucking go, blah, blah, what have you. We we are incrementally improving in terms of where they are. Um, What's amazing about it, though, is that we aren't improving. Celtic are getting worse. How the fuck you get there, I've got no idea. But that's what you're going to start to see from the mainstream media. So the difficulty with that is that I'm turning around and saying, well, it's great if Windass can do it against the big teams. So do we. We need to do it against the big teams. We need to beat Hibs at home, you know, when the fucking challenge comes. And we need to be able to beat Dundee when we have to. And that weekend was the first time that our closest challengers in terms of Aberdeen and Celtic have dropped points. And we've been able to, to close that gap for quite a long time which is why it's been really really refreshing to see it Adam dance for me tactics monkey why are we so pish at home uh, I talked about it on the tactics pod yesterday and I think it's it's a bit of expectation it's a bit of still being a bit of a immature team in terms of how we're playing together and, and lacking the guile to break down uh, two banks of four um, we need to be on the front foot more at home we, we need to I think some of the stuff that we've seen okay it's, it's been against Aaron Hamilton but some of the, the stuff that we mentioned there in terms of playing interest, uh, insightful balls in between the fullback and the centre half the quick one touch passing that we're seeing um, if we can bring that type of stuff into our game um, there was actually a really interesting point on the, the tactics pod from, from Ali who said that he felt that Tav and John uh, yesterday were stationed about 10 or 15 yards deeper than, than they actually are usually and it was an, an attempt to bring the Hamilton um, wingbacks forward a little bit so that we could play that those passes so Murray's quite astute tactically in that sense so I'm, I'm sure he's got plans to, to look at ways that we can draw Hearts out Hearts have been doing okay it's, it's, I've not looked at their, their stats recently but they, they've certainly been doing a lot better under Levine so I think they'll be coming to have a go I don't think they're necessarily going to sit in as much as um a Hamilton or a Kilmarnock would do so So I think teams like that were totally fine against it's, it's struggling to, to break down the, the much more defensive teams Cammy, you're out there um, beyond the wall uh, in the east what are the Hearts fans feeling at the moment? Um, positive and encouraged and because um, you weren't happy when Levine got the job were they? Well they weren't but then he, he, he's doing what every good manager should do to win around an unhappy fan base and that's winning games mm. and provide sound bites and I, I mean I'm not saying that Scott Brown's an easy target because he is a crow magnon however when you you know bully the fucking um, disadvantaged we all find it hilarious because of Scott Brown what, I, what I, I, I hear and see from Hearts fans is that they really feel that with you know the stadium development with the signings it's bringing in Naismith was a big name for them to capture. He was, yeah, he was. Um, there's a 
there's probably a surge of, of optimism going through the place at the moment. And the thing is, you, you can't replicate that. You can't falsify it in some way or, or, or you know, have a facsimile of it. All these things added together are doing it. And plus, more than anything else, they've got Kyle Lafferty. So why else, you know, would Hearts fans be anything other than overjoyed at the moment? Yeah, that, that, well, the fact that they come from Edinburgh and are Hearts fans, I think, would be pretty high up that list. Um, but they have Kyle Lafferty. I don't know if you heard that bit. I know the signal broke up a little bit. That was God. You know, just, just say, I'm going to save this boy from further embarrassment. And he said, God just wishes he was Kyle Lafferty. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, and Adam, um, you know, is it as simple as just teams are more defensive against us? Is it really that simple? Because surely... At home, it's not like they all suddenly throw off the shackles and go, right, you know, we're going to get, get tore in. Or is it actually that basic? I think it, it's obviously got a bit, a bit more nuanced than that, but I think at a very basic level, yes, it is. Um, it's so difficult, and people underestimate how difficult it is to break down two banks of four that are very, very well organised, and they're quite happy just to kick it the way they're facing and, and clear the ball. Um, but at home they naturally probably feel that they can have a little bit more of a go and they're a little bit more adventurous and that's why I think we've seen um, how good their away form is. Um, if you look at uh, the 17 league games since Marty came in, the, the goal on thing is that we're actually, we're actually a point behind Celtic. We've got 34 points and they've got 35. And you look at, even if you discount the Hibs game as something that, that could potentially happen, um, as as painful as it was, you look at those because games... You're, because your player cost, is it? Yeah, because Tab ta- ta- threw it away. That was the inference, yeah, but you, you took it from me, that's <laughs> fine. Um, but if you look, the, the games that are more gone as the Kilmarnock one, as the Johnson one, the Dundee one, the Hamilton one, you pick up half those points, or even three quarters of those points, and that's you in a title race. Um, that's the goal and part of it. Um, and all three of those games were at home. Um, which is just unacceptable. I think that was something that that made me giggle slightly about uh, about Brendan Rodgers' comments after the match. Now, if you saw the Celtic lineup the other day, they, they picked a, a weaker lineup, and I hadn't realised how much weaker until I read it when it actually included um, two supporters: Jim Craig, Steve McGahan. So he, he got criticised. He clearly doesn't like criticism. And he blamed St Johnston for not letting Celtic beat them by saying, "Oh well, you know, you look at their results, and uh, that's something that their manager needs to look at." And all that, you know, after saying that he doesn't like when Craig Levine talked about his team because he doesn't talk about other people's teams. And interestingly, St Johnston's last win came at Ibrox, so clearly they do raise their game on occasions uh, and win matches or get something in matches that they shouldn't. They're not the first football team to have done that. But I think maybe the frustrating thing, Cammy, is that I, you, Adam, every Rangers fan I know would like, I'll say this in the most conservative way I can, would at least like to see what would happen if we could put some pressure on Rodgers. Listen, I'd love to see it as well. And I think, I mean, we've spoken about it before. I believe we all know through our relative associations, Celtic fans who, in their truest heart of hearts, dislike where they currently are. They do not like being top of the mountain. And if in actual reality, we start to close the gap and put that pressure on, they've got a great opportunity to return to a victim status. And what's great about Rogers is 
he exudes that as soon as the pressure even starts to come near him. If I'm being perfectly honest, I thought I thought his comments on Sunday about the St Johnson players were fucking outrageous. And fair play to Tommy Wright for not coming back and, and having a having a response back to that. And what's quite funny about it is I think probably Craig Levine would have. In a fight um, in a fight though, he, Tommy Wright would fucking leather Brendan Rogers. Which is fine, but then do you know what I mean everyone would hold his jacket whilst he was doing it. Yeah, he'd probably get lifted for sectarian hate crimes right now. Is I don't really think it is fair play to Tommy Wright, if I'm honest, because he wasn't shy in coming out and criticising Cassini. If he's if he's man enough to do that, then he should be man enough to say something against Rogers for me. Yeah, I, I okay, 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 right, that, okay, that's fair comment. I get that, but then I'd also say that that Cicinha was an easy target for yeah. every man in his dog. Um, but I think that when you're turning around and basically having a go at the St Johnson players and Davy praises it beautifully for not allowing them to beat you. I think that's an absolute fucking disgrace. And I don't care if it was a second-string Celtic select or not. There's still plenty of quality within that team that should have beaten them at home. Um, but, if you again, if you watch the highlights of that game, fucking the fans never turned up to it, so why should the players bother? To that's, a, it, that's a fair point. Uh, I Like I say, Adam, I, I'm not saying, by the way, that if we put pressure on them, that they will definitely crack. But I would like to see what would happen if we got a wee bit near them. Because this is them dropping two points and us getting back to nine. And you can feel it. You know, you you can feel the kind of decibels rising from the... or hear the decibels rising from the... and you feel the temperature going up. And if we got it back to six, four, right? Still a big gap. You know, it would take a big effort to do that and maintain it. But it would be interesting. It would be really funny for one because they'll absolutely come up. They'll just be hysterical about it. Uh, I don't for one minute think we're going to win it, but you're right. If it gets to, if it gets to within two games worth, um, it will be interesting to see Celtic fan reactions. Uh, I seen a tweet today saying uh, I think Roger should go at the end of the season and we get Neil Lennon back in because he knows what it's all about. So that that type of thing will be very interesting if if we get down to um, a bit further into single figures. I think you know, and again, don't want to talk too much about Celtic, but I think five minutes at the end of the pod is is acceptable. But um, I have a friend who's a Liverpool fan, Liverpool season ticket holder. So this is long before Rodgers picked up at Celtic. Um, one of his pet peeves, he's like the problem with Rodgers was after that season. You know, they they should have won the league season. He says uh, he's walking up and down the touchline and he's walking into press conferences like he's fucking Bill Shankly, and he said he, he does realise he didn't win it. And when all this has gone down second season at Celtic, he said this is exactly what he did with us. Bit of success when he's concentrating on the job because he is a good coach and when he feels he's got something to prove. Second, that he gets a success, the God complex overwhelms him and he can't see the wood for the trees. And that reaction was completely idiotic and out of, completely out of whack with where it put him in the league and, and what it actually meant I mean he should have just went well we had to make changes we, in the middle of two big games we're still nine points ahead well done to St Johnson and that would have been the end of it and instead he's given people like us the opportunity to point and laugh at him but he's, he's turned around though David right and not only that but he can he can supplement that with some more stuff don't say well I've already won of you know the three major domestic trophies so far this season potential I'm looking at back to back trebles who the fuck is anyone in this country to turn around and say that um, Celtic aren't progressing under my stewardship? Now, what's really interesting to this is 
all, all we're talking, and it's, it's nine points, right? And as I said before, it's the first opportunity, really, we've tried to, to make ground on them since uh, slipping up in the league. And Aberdeen slipped up in the league as well. And we've really capitalised on the opportunity. But what's really interesting about it is, it's not as if we are, as Adam says, in, let's say, low single figures, if we are legitimately within uh, touching distance. We are still a number of miles off. No win, right? I think we are something like 66 to 1 to win the league or something like that at the moment. I mean, it's still well, well, well out of terms of possibility, in my opinion. But already with that slight turn of the screw, you can start to see him panicking a little bit. And that's what I'd love to see. And I think if he, if he I think there's a part of him that's worried if he gets through against Zenit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think I think there's a part of him that worries he gets through against Zenit. But then not only that, if he then continues on in the Scottish Cup as well, uh, already you'll start to hear But you know, it's a fixture congestion. You know, we've got game after game, etc., 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 and then that's when the excuses come out. No, very interesting and a, a lot in the next few weeks, hopefully. But of course, we need to not fuck it up by losing to Hearts, and we will have a full preview of that. Can we, can I, can we point on, on Hearts? I know you've got the preview later on, but you mentioned there about how we how we win the game, and I think the key to the game, and we've probably underplayed it a little bit, but the key to the game on Saturday for me is Jamie Murphy. Um, I, I thought he was brilliant again yesterday. I've been championing him on the, the tactics for a while, and I'm quite happy that he's now starting to add tangible. Uh, assists and goals um, to his game so I think I'm going to be quite contentious about it but if he keeps going the way he's going then Tav might have a bit of a rival in, in my, my heart um, it's quite interesting as well I've seen a little tweet earlier on I mean, we know that Candace is widely acknowledged as being the best assist the best creator in the league um, and he's in the running for player of the year um, there's been a few stats flying about about Jamie Murphy um, quite a small sample size but he is Rampaging ahead of Candace by about 1.5. Um, so if you look at things like key passes and expected assists, he's miles ahead of him. Um, obviously, it's five five games versus 25 games, but um, that could be really interesting. I think he'll be the key. He's he's going to be a really good player for us. Well, I think another what, thing. I what, think another thing for me away from Murphy that can't be really overlooked is the threat that Goss gives us from set pieces. So yeah. not just from corners, but from free kicks as well, because he was very unlucky. The keeper produced a great save um, on Sunday against the Goss free kick, um, and I think that there's there's a real there's a real weapon within his left foot. Well, we could talk about this all night, but unfortunately, I don't want to. So, with that in mind, I will just remind everyone: if you do want to hear this all night, that there's hours and hours and hours of excellent content, including Cam's Clint Hill interview and uh, Adam's tactic shows, and tons and tons of other great stuff on our subscription site, Patreon. Dot com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash heart and hand and it's one ninety nine per month or three ninety nine per month if you want to invest a wee bit more and get a bit more content and people seem to really like it um, so please go and give it a try but if not and you just like the two free shows we are very very grateful to you for continuing to support us this way we'll be back on Thursday night with the, the Hearts preview and a, a lot more detail and obviously we'll have a bit more team news by that stage so all that it means for me to do then is to thank our executive producer in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers to thank my guests tonight first of all the wonderful Mr Cameron James Bell it's been a pleasure talking to you both boys the delightful Adam Thornton thanks guys My name's David Edgar and I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Cheers, bye.
Social Podcast Network.